Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join today. She's a five-time world champion triathlete, coach, speaker, author, filmmaker, and screenwriter. It's Leslie Patterson. How are you doing today, Leslie? I am great. How are you? Doing so good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Absolutely. I am from Scotland, as you can tell by my crazy accent. I live in uh, California in Los Angeles, um, but I started out as a rugby player um, in Scotland. So I played as the only girl in an all boys team. So about 250 boys and me. And in <laughs> fact, I was the only girl in the whole of Scotland to play rugby. So I was an athlete from very, very young and pretty much if anything, if anybody told me I couldn't do something, that was it. I wanted to do it. So uh, as my mom would like to say, I came out of the womb kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> so yeah, quickly got into rugby, but then also it was very artistic at the same time. And you'll see that as I sort of chat further about my career, but I was a ballet dancer at, at the same time as being a rugby player. So my funniest story is the fact that I would turn up to ballet classes in the afternoon with muddy knees and odd socks. Um, so yeah, I didn't quite fit in that mold, but needless to say, I've always been very creative and loved storytelling in any, any shape or form. Um, so yeah, then I, then I, um, went on to compete in triathlon and got good pretty quick. My dad threw me into that world to try and keep me out of trouble and, um, competed for Scotland and then the UK and, uh, won a, a lot of medals and always thought I wanted to go to the Olympics, but got quite disillusioned from the sport at about the age of 20. Um, it's always tough when you get into national programs because they have a very specific way of coaching mm-hmm. um, and that didn't really suit me and they were very numbers driven at the time very sports science driven um, and it was sort of a new philosophy of coaching and um, I'm, a, I'm an athlete that's driven by heart as my husband would say I'm filled with piss and vinegar <laughs> uh, so that doesn't always show up on the on the gauges so it's speak so um anyways I, I gave up triathlon when I was 20 and felt like a royal failure to be honest because all I'd ever wanted to do was go to the Olympics and but luckily my husband got a, a job in California and so moved out with him and studied my master's degree in in theater and film and uh, found my other calling uh, but then found a different form of triathlon called Xterra, which is off-road triathlon, swimming, mountain biking and trail running. So as I like to say, it's pretty much rugby plus triathlon equals Xterra. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, simultaneously was was sort of studying and up in Los Angeles and acting and writing and, you know, doing a lot of fun things through that, but got very, you know, got very good at Xterra uh, pretty quick as well. And so, threw my hat into all of those unresolved things that I hadn't achieved in sport and and sort of, you know, basically, you know, hit those on the head and uh, uh, won a bunch of world titles. And then now I've come back into film uh, as I'm nearing the end of my athletic career and uh, have my first film coming out on Netflix at the end of the year. So um, it's kind of a crazy wild journey through all of that. Um, I've dealt with illness, injury, chronic Lyme disease, all sorts of craziness. So I've been at the top of the top and the bottom of the bottom and everywhere in between. So 
Um, needless to say, I have a lot of experience to to help people along their way. What part of rugby got you so interested in playing? Rugby, especially if people don't know, it's very contact sport, a lot okay. of aggression with the athletes, but it kind of <laughs> teaches you a lot about teamwork and kind of working as a group in a way. Right. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head, to be honest. I love to get dirty. I love to hit boys. (laughs) And then I love to play with boys. So it was like the perfect combination. But yeah, I think it was just, you know, I'm a very sort of kinesthetically aware athlete. And the way that you move around the field and you dart from side to side, the way that you pass the ball, it's quite poetic when you get it right with your teammates. Um, and I had a great, great team, um, Sterling County, and uh, played with some some wonderful folks. And so we we just had this amazing rapport, even at the age of 10. You know, it was just like this tight knit group and all the boys would protect me. And it was great. It was amazing. I loved it. Did you feel that you had to a lot on your shoulders to prove to the other kids that just because I'm a girl, that doesn't mean I can't play the sport. Yeah, big time. I think less within the group that knew me, because once they knew me, I was part of the cohort and it didn't matter. Um, but certainly every time I stepped on the pitch to oncoming teams, whether it was tournaments or other teams, you know, there'd be the whispers, the giggles, the laughs, the points. They would either hit you harder or not want to hit you, all of those things. And I think that that set up massive resiliency um you know from from my part and I've carried that forward into everything that I've done I think that's why I was so successful at triathlon I'm incredibly resilient because I just you have to have a really thick skin and when you develop Mm -hmm. at the age of seven you know it's like and then you have to become resourceful I didn't have changing rooms I didn't have you know, a lot of the things that the boys had, I had to go and wash myself off in a basin, you know, when it was pissing with rain and snowing outside and I was freezing cold and, you know, you just kind of find a way even at such a young age. So again, it makes you resourceful for the future. When you're, when you were playing, was it not the time where girls teams were coming about or did you kind of just wish it happened? Uh, not at all. It was uh, this was in the eighties, so you know, I mean, really, there was no such thing. Eighties and nineties, there was maybe a few women's teams, but they were a lot older. But to mm. be honest, I think I really enjoyed playing with boys and what that brought brought to the table. But also, I think I enjoyed being special, mm-hmm. different, and standing out. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I'm one of four children, so, and I'm the youngest, so you're always kind of fighting for your place at the table when you're the youngest. So I think this satisfied a lot of those needs in me. I think the only time I've ever experienced co-ed teams is intramural sports, like volleyball, soccer, softball. And those are always so much fun playing with all the genders because you learn a lot about yourself as a player. Plus they could see a different side of you that maybe you didn't know about. What did rugby teach you? You talked about resiliency. Was there anything else it taught you about yourself? Um, I think, you know, being a team player, realizing that, you know, it's not about your own glory. It's about, you know, how do you better serve the team? What can you do to do that? 
Um, so yeah, and that, that's sort of everything in life, isn't it? If you have the right people around you and you support them, even if it, to the sacrifice of yourself, it can often mean the, the greater good, you know? With having ballet at the same time, injuries could happen. One, one activity could be affected by what happens at the other. Did that ever play an effect where an injury kept you out of dancing or dancing kept you out of rugby? I think I was so young that not really, do you know, I mean, yeah, you're talking between the ages of seven and 12 and injury rates are so low at that age. You're yeah. so sort of pliable. Um, but, I, but I mean, I've had plenty of injuries since that's for damn sure. So <laughs> I think I've racked them up in the second half of my life. Was there any athlete that kind of inspired you or someone in your life that was an inspiration that kind of kept you motivated? Yeah, you know, I, I I was really into Zola Bud, the runner. She was a South African runner who ran barefoot oh. at the Olympics um, back in the 80s. And she was quite famous at the time. And I think, again, just being the odd one out and not quite fitting in and yet rising to the top, something about that really resonated with me. With running, there's a lot of different events, disciplines get involved. You have track and field, cross country. You pick triathlete, which gives you a combination of different events and disciplines. Which one was the hardest for you at the beginning of your journey as a triathlete? Definitely swimming. Swimming's an odd one. So if anyone out there has tried it, it's one of those things where you can be a superior athlete in pretty much anything else and you get in the pool and you're shite. Um, you know, um, and you can look across and there's someone that's twice the size of you plowing up and down you th- and, and they don't even look that fit. And you're thinking, how does that work? And it's such a unique sensation. Uh, you know, the technique of swimming is something that when it's learned early, it, it can come very naturally. But when it's learned later in life, it, it can be an absolute struggle. So I definitely struggled with that, um, it, you know, and have done ever since. Um, and the way that triathlon, so there's many different types of triathlon, long distance, short distance, and the type that is in the Olympics is what we call draft legal, which means that on the bike, you're allowed to sit in packs a little bit like they do in the Tour de France. And that gives you an advantage. However, what that meant was if you were not a quick enough swimmer, you would not get out in the lead pack. Uh, and then you would struggle to try and catch up this, you know, group on the bikes. If you look at, you know, packs in the Tour de France, you know, it's like the bigger pack. It's virtually impossible if you get dropped mm. to get back on. So, you know, that changed the course of triathlon in terms of what was in the Olympics. And I just couldn't cut the mustard. I wasn't a quick enough swimmer. And that's why I went into Xterra because, you know, that those played to my strengths, not my weaknesses. Was there always the same order with running, bikes, cycling, and swimming in every single one of your competitions or tournaments? Yeah, triathlon is always known as swimming, biking, and running. So the swimming is first, then the biking, then the running. Sometimes they'll have little fun events, which is the opposite. Um, but generally, any any sort of big triathlon is swimming, biking, then running. Do you think that helped you with swimming being your least successful and your bigger successful events worth biking and running so that you ended on a good positive yeah you could say that you know because you always feel like you're catching people up right um but they always say you cannot win a triathlon in the swim but you can certainly lose it 
Mm-hmm. So if you come out too far back, you know, it can be a struggle to really sort of scratch back. And then, you know, because it's at the start of the race and it's your weakest one, the start of the race is where you're most nervous, right? Yeah. And that can be a challenge. Um, you know, the gun is about to go off and you're thinking, oh, crap, you know, I've got to dive into these big waters, these big, you know, waves and, you know, I don't feel as strong as the other girls. So that plays into you not having a good swim as well. Was there a favorite competition that you remember at the beginning of your career that has been memorable for you? Um, Probably just like, you know, probably, probably my local triathlons, right? Because it was like the local town and the local club and everybody was your friend. And if you did well there, there was this massive support and supporting team. And there was just like that team environment that mm-hmm. I loved from rugby. So in the early days, it was definitely those kind of local races that I absolutely loved. Um, and then in my later career, you know, some of getting to travel to different destinations and seeing different parts of the world, that's been really cool. I feel like that would be the best part is the traveling part. You get to like explore and get to kind of see right. other areas and kind yeah. of, if you have never been there, you're like, oh, I get to add this on to that list of places I visit. Big time. And triathlon's an amazing community. So a lot of local triathletes will host professional triathletes so then you get to stay with the family from that country and you really get to experience the culture um and then in Xterra, the courses are off-road so they take you to parts you know parts of those those countries parts of those towns that you just wouldn't really either have access or knowledge about if you were just a tourist so it's been a wonderful experience getting to see parts that other folks don't what was the biggest difference in your training from regular triathlons to Xterra? Yep. So Xterra, because it's off-road, the terrain often dictates what, you know, the sort of level of intensity. So if you've got big torquey climbs, like super steep climbs or terrain that you have to get over. So um, a lot of the training in Xterra is strength-based. So a lot of hill work, a lot of gym work, a lot of stuff that develops durability in the muscle bed. Um, So that, you know, that that's a lot of work that I do. With being an athlete, a lot of people talk about the financial aspect. Were you doing it more for you love the sport, you love the environment, you talked about the big part about being the community, then not worrying about a paycheck? Because a lot of times, I guess, athletes get sponsored and there's not many people that are getting sponsored in these events. Yeah, it's super hard in endurance sports like this because you don't really get that much support. So you have to be resourceful. Um, And you have to be dynamic and think outside the box about how to support yourself. Because at the end of the day, you have to support yourself. And my big thing was never to be driven to race for money, per se, and so so much as having to chase the dollars. Because then I think you make bad decisions about both your training and racing. um, And you can't be selective. So that's when I started a coaching business with my husband um to support my professional career so you know that was you know it's been a really great journey to coach other endurance amateur athletes largely some professionals too but we built the business you know to quite a sizable level over 15 years and that's been a wonderful source of income so that if you do get injured if you don't want to race as much you don't you don't need to 
with thinking about always what's next in your journey, retirement, or even thinking about taking a break, stepping away, was there ever a signature or moment in time that was like, I'm ready for the next step? I'm ready for what's next for Leslie? You know, I I think what I've realized is I'm not one of those people to draw the lines in the sand Mm -hmm. because I feel like I change quite a lot. You know, from month to month, my body changes, especially with illness and injury and age and things going on in my life. And so I've had periods where I've not been able to raise, periods where I don't want to, periods where I'm loving it. And certainly I think during COVID, um, I realized I didn't need racing and my relationship with it changed. Uh, in terms of my drive to have to perform. Um, And so that changed my perspective. And so since COVID, I've not raced as much for sure. And then, you know, with the film business stuff taking off, you know, that's where my focus has been. But just recently, I'm actually in Colorado right now. I I decided I would race the the national championships uh, last weekend um, out of the blue because I wasn't going to race this year at all and then ended up winning them (laughs) so yeah which was awesome I just had a great race and it goes to show that like you know if you don't you know if you can just kind of rock up and you know I always keep pretty fit anyway and um you don't have that expectation it changes your relationship with it um so yeah now I'm, I'm gonna go and do the world championships in Italy in October so I'm preparing for that which is nice but Again, I'm I'm really enjoying just saying, okay, it's 12 weeks away. I'm just going to train hard for 12 weeks. And, you know, we've got a lot of film stuff going on as well. So if I have to miss stuff, I miss stuff. And it's no big deal, you know? I love how you said that you just, you found the, the competition. I'm just going to show up and then you just win it. And I'm I'm thinking, that's just amazing that it's just that athlete instinct in you that, you know that you can put your mind to it and you can go out there and perform at a high level. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been doing it. Gosh, I've been doing triathlon since I was, you know, pretty much 12, 13 years old, a long time. So, uh, it, you know, um, I think it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, you know, it just comes really naturally to you when the gun goes off and you know how to prepare yourself and to get ready and, you know, I watch a lot of sport. It's in my soul. It's just absolutely in my soul. So I know how to how to kind of make it work. You talked about you don't like to draw lines in the sand. Looking at your journey with rugby ballet, do you feel that you might have wanted to do something different if you could have had that opportunity? Or do you like that triathlete came about at a younger age and it has taken you to so many great places where you are today? Oh, I've I've loved every minute of it. I wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, I think it's just been an amazing experience. It's it's been f- filled with um, sort of drama and setbacks, but filled with a lot of joy and happiness. And I think it's the the skills that I have developed through triathlon are crazy. You know, determination. You know, my work ethic, my durability, and all of that. Certainly, moving into the film business is critical if you're going to have success talk about your being a five-time world champion talk about those events and what has that impacted you in a positive way to go out there for that next world championship yeah so you know the first one is is crazy right because you've been dreaming about it your whole life you know up until that point and when it finally happens and for me it was a really bizarre thing you know I sort of was close to kind of packing it in and 
but I was super fit and I came out of the water and it ended up having a, a puncture on the bike. So my, my, my tire went flat and that had never happened to me before. And it was a real pivotal moment really in my life where it was, do I give it everything I've got with what I've got and see what happens or do I just pack it in? Mm-hmm. I decided to go for it and ended up sort of passing into first with, you know, 500 yards to go. It was crazy. So, you know, never give up. Right. Yep. And then the second one was very much, um, can I do it again? Because after the first one, you think it was just a fluke. So you have the doubt in Thomas's, but, um, yeah. So, so the second one was really momentous because I had my perfect performance. It truly was. It was the best one I've had to date ever. And I'll never forget it. Everything went perfectly. And it was amazing. My dad was watching. My husband was there. It was great. Um, You know, and the other ones, you know, they've all had their kind of ups and downs as to what they've meant at the time. Um, But now I would say just the the sheer gratitude and appreciation for being able to do it um, brings me a lot of joy and satisfaction. Whereas before, I think I was always you know, okay, what's next? And oh my gosh, how can I prove myself again? I I feel very content with what I've I've achieved. Representing Scotland and Great Britain, how amazing was that to represent a whole country in a performance, especially something that you love doing? I think a lot of athletes that go into the Olympics, world championships, international competition, they feel a lot of pressure because they're representing, they might be the only one representing that country. But talk about that experience for you. Yeah, I think, you know, um, early in the early days, I felt the pressure um, I felt the expectation, but now I I just feel sort of proud and excited, and you know it's easy to take it for granted actually that that you have this ability because I coach a lot of athletes that that don't have that ability, mm-hmm. you know, doing it because they love it uh, and they're they're back of the pack, um, and it it can be easy sometimes to take it for granted about either what I've achieved or or what I have. So you know I do feel very I think just just a ton of gratitude I suppose as you get older that's that's the prevailing emotion I think gratitude is definitely key because it you're appreciative of the opportunity that you're able to get out there and do it and somewhat everyone's battling for that spot or that opportunity to be on that team and just hearing that you're just passionate about this sport and it's just awesome because a lot of people that are listening they're probably passionate about the same thing and they know that listening to your story and anything can happen. You just got to go out there and just enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy it. Give it a shot, you know, and, and face those fears, keep getting up, yep. keep giving it a go. You know, it's too easy just to give up and sit in the sofa and not be bothered. But, um, you know, there's nothing greater than, than sort of giving it a go. You mentioned earlier in an interview about injuries and illnesses that played an effect. Talk about that experience and talk about someone, something that maybe listeners couldn't relate to what you've gone through and how it didn't stop you from completing everything you wanted. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest sort of setback that I had was after um, I really was the best in the world and I was beating a lot of professional men and I was 
better than I ever could have imagined. I, I was quite sort of almost in shock about where I was at performance wise. And then I got sick with Lyme's disease and that then came with a lot of injuries. And I literally went from the best in the world to not being able to get out of bed. And it was so hard and I was so depressed and you know, I've, I, I I really fought and fought and fought for years. I've worked with many different doctors, many different doctors, many different specialists, and I've learned just a ton. Um, and I think just, you know, in my spirit, never giving up, never taking no for an answer and always trying to find thinking outside the box, being flexible, uh, investigating, not not taking one person's opinion at face value, really searching for multiple opinions. And that, you know, those are the skills I think I've developed through having dealt with all of these injuries and setbacks. Did it ever have to change how you trained after going through that? 100%. Yeah, all the time, all the time, always having to adapt always having to change, you know, the types of training, the way that I trained, when I trained, how I trained, who I trained with, just always, you know, sort of maneuvering around uh, and saying, okay, what stimulus does my body need the best that it can get? If I cannot run, how can I simulate that? Well, maybe it's on a Stairmaster because I can do that and not be in pain or, you know, maybe it's standing up on the bike because that simulates running or, you know, um, if I'm sort of sick or tired, you know, what can I do to, to best recover or, you know, what types of training, maybe I just have to do less intense, but more volume, because that's what my body can handle, you know, on and on and on. When you're training, what is the type of training you enjoy? A lot of times people are, they go to the gym, they're like, oh, I don't like doing that. But I like doing that because it challenges me in a way. What's the fun part about training you enjoy? Probably being out in the mountains. I love the mountains. You know, I'm in Colorado right now. I love the trails. I love to be on top of a mountain looking down. It's just such a joyful place for me. I will agree with that. I will try to find any hiking spot and just go do that. Like, because it gets me outside. I get to be in nature and I'm not in a gym, like running or on a treadmill. Go explore. I love that. But, you know, hey, I, I love the gym too. I love the gym too. I love being around other people. I love, I watch now a lot of content while I'm working out for film stuff. You know, I'll watch films, TV, keep up to date with all that while I'm on the treadmill, on the stepper. I just, I honestly love everything, you know, in different (laughs) degrees, you know. And when you're training 30 or 40 hours a week, you really have to vary it and do a lot of different things. So I get to do everything. (laughs) That's just definitely the athlete. I could... Anytime you mentioned about you love training, it's the athlete in you. It just shows that the passion and it's just amazing. But I love how you mentioned how you have, you're watching film multitasking at the same time, because it just shows that you're not letting one second go by without learning. Nope. That's exactly it. And uh, yeah, I mean, shoot, there's so much content to, to absorb now. I might as well do it while I'm working out, you know? So that's a perfect segue to talk about your love for filmmaking and screenwriting. When you thought about getting into this industry, 
what was the challenges and what was the exciting part that you were going to experience? So I think, you know, uh, the film industry is incredibly difficult to get into. But again, you just have to think outside the box and be resourceful. Um, one of my most favorite things is to tell stories that have an impact, that that bring about change. Um, I loved watching films as a youngster that gave me some sort of emotional, you know, emotional sort of self-reflectiveness to them uh, that challenged my beliefs, made me think in a different way. Um, it's such a wonderful medium to do that. So that's what I'm passionate about doing. What kind of films were those inspirations for you? Oh, gosh. I mean, Braveheart, obviously. Being Great stopped. movie. <laughs> um, I love all sorts of films. I mean, you know, I grew up watching E.T. and a lot of Spielberg films. So that real fantastical sort of escapism, but yet emotionally poignant character driven stuff and I'm, you know, Saving Private Ryan is one of my favorites. And, you know, uh, gosh, I, I really just love everything. <laughs> With each of those movies, you talked about the impact of the story. And it's definitely character driven because you're part of the story with the character following the path, especially E.T. And really getting to know that character when you're creating films and screenwriting. Is that kind of the similar style and theme you're going for where we as we are viewers, we're trying to connect with that character. Any good film, any good screenwriter is going to want to try and do that. So I think for us, my husband and I, we write together and we try and think about issues that, that are important to us, things or themes that, that really resonate with us and then create stories around that and then take characters on these journeys that, you know, we feel audiences will both relate to, be challenged by, you know, make them th sort of think outside the box again about their lives or what they believe in. How has it been working with your husband in the, these projects? Awesome. Yeah, we're really, really lucky. We've been married now for 20 years. So we kind of know each other inside out, but we both have very different skills, which is wonderful. Um, he um, he is definitely an in-the-weeds writer. So he's a nitty-gritty pen and paper. I am the architect. So I, you know, sort of figure out the big beats of the story and break down the different scenes and sequences and write them all out, give them to him. He then bashes them out, sends them back to me. And I'm sort of the real sort of big picture. He's uh, in the weeds and it's perfect. Yeah, it really, really works. Do you feel that has helped creating these projects where you guys have those different skills instead of both having similar and you are going back and forth with one idea where you have your specialty and he has his specialty? Yeah, I think it would be hard if we were both kind of doing the same thing because we might challenge one another a bit too much. Um, but because our skills are so different and we really respect each other's skills, then it's um, then it's that it's, it's it really is sort of a been a great journey to be on. What is one big goal that you have for filmmaking and screenwriting? What's that dream that you're going for? I think it really is to work with amazing filmmakers, um, because my most favorite thing is the team aspect. Mm -hmm. When you get to work with people that are truly magnificent, you can. Sit. the collaboration is such a wonderful thing with people that are talented 
And, you know, God, I'd love to work with Spielberg. God, I'd love to work with Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, some of these (laughs) like amazing talents. And just to sort of absorb and learn and grow by being a part of that team. Do you feel that your platform as an athlete has helped you gain skills in the movie industry? 100%, you know, because just never giving up in sport, determination, keeping on going. That's everything that you need in film. Um, And then not just that, you know, there's actually a lot of people in the film world that have kind of sports envy. They're either in sports themselves or they have some kind of sports envy. So all of a sudden they sort of look at you in a different way because of what you've achieved in sport. And it makes it easier to kind of access that inside you know, that that those insiders in a different way because they have a, a different level of respect for you. Do you feel that you have a lot to prove to people with not coming from a movie background, but that you still have the knowledge that even someone in the industry has? No, not at all. I don't feel I have anything to prove. I'm just... Uh, I just love being on this journey. I love to learn and grow. And I know I have a lot of talent. I have a lot of innate confidence. And I think that that comes because I also know I have a lot of a lot to learn. And I'm more than willing to just have mentors and grow and really listen and self-assess. And I'm, I'm not afraid of failing you know, all of those things. So I'm just excited to go for it. With working with your husband in film and movies, it's not the only project you have done together. You've also written a book. Talk about that experience. Yeah, that was cool. So my husband's a really top performance psychologist. So he's worked with, you know, uh, cyclists in the Tour de France, Formula One, a bunch of special forces, things like that. And um, I think what it was, was I was utilizing all of these kind of cool techniques in my own athletic career. And when I would explain them to Sai, he would sort of come at me with the science behind, well, this is actually probably why you do it. And so we decided that we would write this book together with all of these issues that athletes have, whether it's body image, whether it's confidence, whether it's athletic identity, all of these things. And so, yeah, the book was just kind of a culmination of all of that. And it's pretty cool. You know, we break down, uh, you know, the, the, the book is kind of essentially a, a brain mental model. Um, and then a lot of questions that athletes have and we, we dig into it, but it's quite irreverent and fun. And yeah, it's definitely worth a read. A lot of people, in fact, that are, aren't even that much into sport have read it and have found it really applicable in business and family life, all of those things. I was going to ask if people can utilize those same concepts in any industry, because even athletes, you can take that same concept and CEOs, professionals are still utilizing that. Big time, big time, big time. What has been the response from athletes when they're reading it and they're hearing all these different ideas that maybe they are going through? Do you know what? It's been amazing. That's been one of the best things by writing this book. We've had so many folks reach out and go, oh my God, did you write this for me? (laughs) No, because it truly is like, you know, because we all have those inner, it's like we call it the inner chimp, right? You know, it's those inner thoughts. And it's just like, oh, thank God other people have that too. 
you know, I don't care whether you're a multiple world time champion or getting off your sofa and doing your first 5k, we all experience it. So, you know, it's kind of empathy and connection is the best place to make change. I think a lot of those athletes probably are, they're thinking, am I the only one that's going through this? And then they read that and they're like, nope, there's so many more people. And I think that's, what's so great about the books. The community is people are able to share their experience going through that. And we all get to learn different ways of learning how to deal with it, adapt and get better and become the greatest versions of ourselves. Big time. That's exactly it. So get our book. You can also listen to an audiobook. Uh, we narrate it. So it's, it's super fun. It's called The Brave Athlete Calm the F Down and Rise to the Occasion. Oh, I like that title. <laughs> yeah. Looking at the future, what is next for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, both personally and professionally? Yeah, you know, we, my husband and I would love to get several films off the ground and work with amazing creators and be paid full time to do this. And then I'd love to be able to just jump into some races as and when and sort of keep coaching, you know, some athletes, but, you know, really straddle the two different worlds and have them be a part of each world and, you know, each world learn from the other world and infect the other world. How close do you feel you are to getting that first film out there? Well, we have our first film coming out on Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front, a war war film in October, which is very exciting. We wrote the screenplay and executive produced it. Um, So I think that that's going to be a good launch pad for us, um, for other stuff. You know, we have a bunch of other stuff written and kind of in various forms of development. So fingers crossed that all gets going. Getting on Netflix is an amazing accomplishment. How did that opportunity come about? Because there's so many people fighting for a spot to be on Netflix. Yeah, so we optioned the rights to the material. It's a famous book a number of years ago, and we adapted it into a a screenplay and spent 15 years trying to get it off the ground. So a long time. And then just... The stars aligned. We got the right director, the right producer. Netflix suddenly became interested and they funded the whole thing. That's awesome. That yeah. 15 years. Did you every year going by, are you like, is this going to happen? Do we need to pivot oh, yeah. to another step or something? You're always pivoting, but you always have hope. You always believe. I'm. That's who I am as a person and that's why I'm going to be successful. I love I love the confidence and I love the mindset that you have with it. Good one. Well, it's been great chatting to you. The final question I have for you, for okay. someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? So my biggest thing is that there and this my husband taught me this is a part of your brain called your anterior cingulate cortex and it measures pain both emotion emotional pain and physical pain and it grows and gets more dense the more adversity that you face so when you're facing adversity think of your brain like a muscle like you're working it out at the gym And don't see it as a negative, see it as an opportunity to grow and learn and get better. So that's, that's my tip. 
Well, Leslie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Great. Nice to speak to you guys. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.